There's nothing more important than the atmosphere of a school and creating an atmosphere where students feel welcome, where they feel valued, and where they feel seen as a whole person instead of just their grade on a test. And that a school that's healthy and a school that has that positive atmosphere is a lot more fun and enjoyable for you as a teacher and for the students in the school. The pod class is in session. I'm your host, Elizabeth Tingle, and welcome to our series, Conversations on School Health, a holistic look at maximizing the health and well-being of students and teachers. This series is a collaboration between the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary and EverActive Schools. Each episode, we speak with a different guest to talk about different topics related to school-based health promotion. Today, I'm talking with Rebecca St. Louis, a recent graduate from the B.Ed. program at the Workland School of Education, now teaching with the Calgary Catholic School Board. And we are talking about her recent field experience where she implemented a school-wide initiative to spread kindness during a difficult school year. Welcome, Rebecca. It's so nice to talk with you today. Hi. Yeah, it's so great to be a guest on this podcast I listened to all of last winter. (laughs) Yes. So before we get started on your field experience and all the amazing things that you did there, let's start off by talking about your habits for well-being. This is kind of how we start off the pod class is inviting guests to share their own strategies for making sure that they have time to take care of their own well-being. So what's worked for you? I feel like COVID has really forced all of us to figure out what works well for us in terms of taking care of our well-being. So for me, it really highlighted the importance of being physically active. I always make an effort to get some physical activity, whether it's working out or just going for a walk around my neighborhood or a bike ride around my neighborhood. So that's been very key for me. I also always make sure that I read before I go to bed. I feel like that helps me get a really good night's sleep if I'm reading before bed as compared to being on a screen or watching Netflix, anything like that. And then we also got a COVID puppy in my family. So (laughs) I spend a lot of time with our little puppy, Sully. What kind of dog is he? He is a golden doodle. He's three months. I know a golden doodle and they are cute dogs. Yeah, (laughs) so lovable. And do you have to read fiction or can it be anything that you read before bed? I mostly read fiction. I feel like being just out of university, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years reading nonfiction and learning big things. So I just like to have a little escape more so. Me too. I can't go to sleep without reading fiction. So we're on the same team. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you made the decision to become a teacher. I think that becoming a teacher was maybe predestined for me. I am the daughter of two teachers. My parents met during their B.Ed. at U of A. Um, So while I was growing up, I would listen in on their conversations a lot of the time. And just the things that they would talk about with students and what was going on at the school I always found it really interesting. So when I was about 11, I decided, I think I want to do this. And as I, as I moved through my teenage years, I just did whatever I could to prepare myself for teaching, whether it was babysitting, tutoring. I taught swimming lessons for a long time. And while I was doing all of this, I was watching my three siblings and they were saying, I think I want to be a vet today. And then the next day it was, no, I think I want to be an engineer. And it, they changed so often. And I thought, this isn't happening to me. I still want to be a teacher. So I graduated high school and I did a BA with a major in English first and then followed it with the, with the B.Ed. And I specialized in secondary English language arts during my B.Ed. 
So you recently completed the course that this podcast was created for, Comprehensive School Health and Wellness at the University of Calgary. Can you give a student's view on what it was like to use a podcast for a course instead of reading? I have listened to a lot of podcasts in my life, but I have never done it for a course that's for credit. So I'm wondering what that was like from your perspective. For me, it was honestly a godsend to do this course through podcasts instead of readings. I hope that by the time anybody is listening to this, winter 2021 is a distant memory, but it was a tough time. It was my third semester of school that had been impacted by COVID and had at least online parts, if not the whole semester online. And we were also in our period of the most intense restrictions, super high cases, no indoor or outdoor gatherings. And of course, it was January in Calgary, so it was dark and it was cold. And it was just a hard time. Being in my other courses and trying to get myself ready for applying to school boards and interviewing and preparing for practicum, I was inside a lot, spending a lot of time on my computer by myself. And doing this course through podcasts forced me to go outside. Every time I listened to a podcast, I would go for a walk around my neighborhood. And I felt like I wasn't losing time, which was so precious. But I was able to kind of reset and rest my brain a little bit. I was still listening to the conversations, but I wasn't trying to work through dense academic articles the way I was in my other courses. So for me, doing this course through podcasts was just the biggest blessing possible. I would always listen to the podcast while I was on walks around my neighborhood. And a lot of the time, it was exactly what I needed to get myself out of the house. And yeah, it just saved me time. If it had been articles the way most courses are, I would have just had to spend those extra hours on my computer, which I didn't need at the time. I'm so glad to hear that because that really was the intent. Although I know some students did like to listen while taking notes or or being inside working on a different kind of hobby. I really feel that well-being is experiential. So we can learn about wellness through reading things, but there's something about experiencing wellness and prioritizing our well-being that allows us to really embody what that's all about. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that that gave you a little bit of reprieve. You are reminding me of those dark days of that winter. (laughs) It was a hard time. Absolutely. It was a tough winter. And if I can tell you a little story, Elizabeth, actually being out walking, listening to the pod class got me my first interview with a school board because I went for a walk. I'd been working on other courses all day inside and I thought, okay, I need to go for my little walk now. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to treat myself today. I'm going to get a latte. So I went into a coffee shop and I recognized from our information sessions the head recruiter for Calgary Catholic, which was my board that I wanted to work for. And I recognized him because I'd seen him on Zoom and I saw his little Calgary Catholic mask. And I thought, do I introduce myself? What do I do? It was only January. I'd only done field three. And I had applied. I applied at Christmas time. And so I introduced myself and I talked to him and he said, oh, yeah, we'll be starting interviews soon, whatever. At the end of our conversation, he said, what are you doing tomorrow morning at 930? you want to interview? Oh my gosh. And I said, yeah, I would love to interview. So because I went out and I went for walks and I wasn't stuck in my apartment reading an article, I met the head recruiter and I was probably one of the only students who met him face to face in this year because um, the interviews were online, of course. So yeah, it actually (laughs) got me my first interview and for the board that I'm now working for. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I don't know if that can be expected for everyone that listens, but that is 
So cool. I'm so happy that that happened. What a fortunate coincidence. Yeah, it was really lucky for me. But yeah, it's maybe not a guarantee of education 551. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Do you have any tips for future students, given your experience, maybe from even your classmates too? Like, What do you wish Mm -hmm. you had known at the beginning of the course that might be helpful for them? So at the beginning of the course, I would listen to one of the two podcasts that you can choose between. I would listen to those on a walk. But I thought we had to sit and take notes on the required ones. And so I started out by doing that and then kind of realized that wasn't required. So I wouldn't sit in your room and take notes on the required ones. And I think, too, I felt like this course was more about the big picture and having some key takeaways and practical strategies that you can put into your life. So I would say don't think of it as one of those courses where you need to remember every single little detail and you may be quizzed on it, but instead think about it big picture and think about it in the way that you're going to be a teacher in three months or a few months from now. And these are actual things that that the university is trying to tell you, take this into your practice and use these things every day. So look for those things that are going to help you um, when you are out in the field. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And it's a hard transition to make from student to practitioner, which is what you're doing as a teacher. You have done so much formal learning and those kind of lectures where you just want to take notes and absorb and make sure that you don't miss anything. And you're now moving into a space where you need to trust your ability to learn on the go, Mm -hmm. right? To be able to take things from a professional development session and take what you need from it and to learn through experience and trial and error. That's kind of the type of learning that you're moving into as a beginning teacher. And so I think that's wise advice that, you know, listen to the podcast like a conversation and take from it what's valuable to you. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big thing about the winter 2021 semester is it felt like these are the last things that we want you to take with you, but you're no longer a first year student. You're no longer in your first degree. You're supposed to be taking these things now and applying them to your practice. And I think the other piece of advice I would give, which is what I ended up doing, is for anything you do in this semester, I would try and make your project something that you can use for practicum because it's a really busy time trying to plan for your practicum and get these courses done and be applying to boards and all of that. So anything you can use two ways, go ahead and do that. That's going to help you and save you some time. Absolutely. Double duty as much as you can so that you're working ahead. Good tip. Mm -hmm. Not everyone who listens to the podcast has taken the course. So can you just speak broadly to the main themes that you took away from it? Yeah, I think one thing that I took away from it is that the things that we do to improve our wellness and our students' wellness shouldn't only be reactive or targeted. You're going to have some of those, but it's about embedding things that improve everyone's wellness every day. So just warding off problems before they even arise by doing things like checking in with students and getting a good night's sleep and putting maybe a kindness quote up on your classroom whiteboard, things like that. One quote that really stuck with me that, oh, I can't think of the podcast it was from, but it was, what's good for the bicep is good for the brain. Oh, that was Andrew Baxter. Yeah. And he said things like promoting sleep, a good diet and regular exercise. And I guess I've always separated mental and physical health, but hearing that really made a lot of sense to me. And then the third quote that I took away, this was from your interview with Dana Fulweiler, I think, Mm -hmm. was the concept of satisficing. 
So I think also in that episode, you guys said teaching doesn't have to be a never ending stress fest. And I remember you guys saying, as an example, it's more beneficial to your students for you to go home, get some rest and recharge and come back as a calm, patient and fun teacher than it is to stay in your classroom until six o'clock at night looking for the perfect PowerPoint template, which is something that I was doing during field three and stopped doing during field four after hearing that advice. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And yeah, that really is a shift. I think maybe part of it has to do with the fact that as a teacher, you're not paid by the hour. And so it's really, you can spend as much time as you want on something and you don't feel any sort of like, ah, is this really the best use of my time? Because somebody else is paying for it. It's like, it's just eating into my time. (laughs) But it does affect your well-being when you do that over and over and over again. So I'm so glad to hear that you're starting off your teaching career understanding that may not be in your best or your students' best interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I know I, during our fall practicum, I thought to myself, well, here I am sitting at school until six o'clock every night. I must be doing my student teaching right. This is what it's supposed to be. And then I listened to this podcast series and I thought, I'm not going to do that during field four. I'm going to come in in the morning ready to be with the kids and ready to have the best day we can. And if my PowerPoint isn't that cute, or I don't have cute little designs on my assignment handouts, they're going to be okay. Absolutely. They're not going to remember that. No, They're going to remember the relationship and how you like the energy that you bring to the classroom. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your student teaching placement. You had the opportunity to implement some of the ideas from the course in your student teaching. But let's first talk about the unusual circumstances of completing your final field placement during the pandemic. What was that like? It was pretty stressful to do the entire final year of my degree in a pandemic. Part of that is also that we missed the placement that we were supposed to do during first year education. And it was Friday evening, March 13th, 2020. And it was like five o'clock at night. We were supposed to start the practicum on Monday. And we got an email saying, your practicum has been canceled. It won't be in person. And we ended up just doing kind of, we would teach each other. We would teach the education students over Zoom. Mm. So I was going into my final year of education, having never taught a lesson, never been in a classroom as a teacher, never, nobody's ever called me Miss St. Louis. It's always, you know, I'd volunteered, but I'd never been in a classroom as a teacher. So going through semester three of the program, it was hard because we were unit planning and we were doing these things. And I thought, I don't know how kids are going to react. I don't know students really. And I don't know how a classroom works all that well. You know, I had an advantage with teacher parents, but I just didn't know how so many things were going to land. Yeah. So I think anybody who taught during this school year, 2020-21, will remember we were just on edge all the time when we did get into the field. Because at any time, the principal could come in and say, you guys are going home. And that did happen to me. But it was weird because my students weren't the ones isolated. Nobody was sick in my classes. But during my November practicum, there were a few cases in the school. And they affected so many teachers that we couldn't keep the junior high part of the school open for kids. So all of junior high went home. But it was my kids, my cohort wasn't, wasn't isolated. And it was just the strangest thing. The vice principal came in at 1130 and the kids had been hearing rustlings in the hallway and they were asking us, they were asking us, and we didn't really know what was going on. And the vice principal came in and she said, I'm sorry to my homeroom. She said, but you all have to go online 
And it was like they had 15 minutes to pack their bags and leave. Um, And then those kids didn't end up returning until for about another six weeks because this happened the week before the province sent all 7 to 12 students home. Right. So the students were just supposed to go home for a week, but then it blended into that isolation province-wide and then Christmas break. And then we had another week off. So it was crazy that things could just change on a dime. Yeah. I got some new opportunities because of the COVID uh, situation. So after my grade nine students went home, I was working at a K to nine school and my administration and my partner teacher helped me move into a grade five, six class because elementary students were still in person. So I got the opportunity to basically get two field placements out of one. I spent two weeks in elementary. That's amazing. And then also during field four, I took over a grade eight social class because their teacher got isolated. And I said, I really want to try teaching social. Would it be okay if I try teaching some social? And it was myself and another field four student who was at the school too. And we got to tag team it and work together, co-teach the class. They had a substitute in the room to be just our certified teacher. But he and I got to co-teach, which was something that I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. So cool. And Yeah, it was awesome. And then I think also it really taught me about the importance of relationships with colleagues and of having each other's backs and also just investing in one another because during a lot of the year, I wasn't able to see my friends and I, I didn't see anybody other than my immediate family, but I could talk to the people I was working with. So um, I got to meet some really great people and I really saw the value of having relationships in your school. And yeah, I think that helped the students and it definitely helped me. Wow. I love how you dealt with such a difficult, stressful experience. And also, I'm sure you felt a little shortchanged. Like this is supposed to be the experience <laughs> that sort of finishes me off and gets me ready for teaching. And, and here you've been thrown all these changes. But I really appreciate how you found the value in having to pivot and the opportunities to get to teach different grades, different subjects, and to co-teach. And yeah, really recognizing the value that those relationships with our colleagues can bring to our lives. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, it was it was a wild ride of a school year. I'm glad that we are on summer break currently, but it taught me so much. And I think that the grads, the COVID grads, including this <laughs> upcoming year, I think that we're probably more flexible and we have a lot of resilience. Yeah, for sure. I think you will have benefited from this experience as hard as it was. So let's talk about that wonderful initiative that you were able to complete during your field experience, despite these unusual circumstances of the pandemic. Can you share a little bit about the project and where the inspiration came from? Sure. So for the course, for one of the learning tasks, my two friends and group project members, Sophia Alfaro and Diana Dennis and I created Kindness Month. So our idea was it was going to be implemented at a senior high level, and each student would be challenged to do three acts of kindness for other students or other adults in the building, staff, teachers. And in our project, we had a Google spreadsheet idea so that every student would have some act of kindness done for them, and we could make sure nobody felt left out. And we had ideas like a partnership with maybe the local Tim Hortons to bring in hot chocolate and donut on Wednesdays. And our plan was it would go for about a month. And then at the end of the month, we would set up a display in the front foyer where the students could put a little heart post-it note with how it made them feel. And we would leave that up in the foyer to remind all of us about what had happened and how we felt and the benefits of it. 
The inspiration came from a podcast that you did with Krista Dumba. The podcast was Fostering Empathy and Kindness in Schools. And you guys talked about a town in BC where a school had done something very similar. And it started with the students doing acts of kindness for each other and the staff doing acts of kindness for the students. And then they brought in all of these partnerships and it kind of turned into a town-wide thing. And I was listening to that podcast and I thought, this sounds simple. This sounds like something that we can do during COVID. And like I was saying earlier about double duty, this sounds like something I can both create for my course and then take with me into my practicum. So that was where the inspiration came from was really with that podcast. Okay. And so you had this idea and had done some of the work beforehand with your classmates. What steps did you take while in the field to bring this idea to life? Towards late January, we had completed this project for the course. And it was about two weeks before I was supposed to go back to field. So I went to my school and I was meeting with my partner teacher just to talk about what field four was going to look like and what we were going to teach. And I mentioned the idea to her and I said, what do you think? Do you think this is something that could work here? And she said to me, she said, you know, I think we need it, but I'm worried about bringing in one more thing because she said it's January and teachers are June tired. I've never seen teachers feel this way in January, just with COVID and being on and offline and all of that. Understandable. (laughs) And she said, if we do it, I would try and make it as simple as possible and as little work for the teachers, but I think we need it as a school. And so on my way... So on my way out of the building, I stopped by the office and I talked to the principal and vice principal and I explained the idea. My vice principal actually had a great idea. She said, oh, well, what if we made like a little kindness bingo card and the kids could check things off as they complete them? So I took that and I really liked it. And they said, we will support you with this. Send us a little write up about what the whole thing is and we'll see what we can do. Can I just ask you, did you feel a little nervous talking to administrators about this? Like, I think I would have felt a little nervous. <laughs> or did you feel like, did you feel confident because you had your partner teacher's support and because of the work that you had done in the assignment? I was lucky. I was at a phenomenal school with administrators who were very supportive and very well connected. They were around all the time and I had been able to develop a relationship with them. So I felt nervous going to them saying, can I add on something else to your school? Right. But I also thought a school that takes student teachers takes them because they want these new ideas and they want to hear what's going on at the university and give us a chance. And I was also hearing all the advice from different sessions I was attending through the Education Students Association at the time saying, whatever you can bring into your school do it. If you can join an extracurricular. And a lot of the advice felt like it didn't fit with the COVID year. It was things like, can you coach a team? Can you do this? Can you do that? Mm. And I mean, generally schools didn't have extracurriculars this year. So I thought this is something I can do. This is a safe thing I can do. And if they say yes, I'm going to run with it, whether it's a lukewarm yes or an enthusiastic yes. If they give me a yes, I'm going to go. Yeah. So, so my principal supported it. And then I came back to field and I was at the school and we kind of didn't talk about it. I brought it up once and it seemed like it maybe wasn't going to happen. But then I was at a Catholic school and it was Lent. So we were focusing on kindness and the whole idea of Lent is preparing yourself for the coming of Jesus or for his resurrection. And so I said, can we tie this in with Lent and being a Catholic school? having a Catholic element was important. 
And so we tied it in with the season of Lent and I made two different kindness bingo cards. I made one for the elementary students. And instead of things like write your teacher a note, it was draw your teacher a picture, for example. They had to write a one sentence reflection for each item on the back of it. I tried to make these kindness bingo cards as little work as I could for the teachers. All the teachers had to do was look at the bingo card and see that the students had completed everything and then submit it to myself or the principal. I kind of set it up so that it would all come from admin and not from the student teacher. There were some teachers who felt like they had enough on their plate as is, but I think just designing it so that it would be as little work for any teacher as possible helped me to get them on board. Yeah, and that really speaks to the importance of getting admin on your side on any sort of program implementation, because Mm -hmm. it really makes it more of a school-wide approach rather than one individual leading the charge. And one individual leading the charge is is not sustainable, and it's not as fun. It's more engaging if you can involve other staff or teachers. Yeah, so, so the principal was really a big ally of mine in this, and he helped me collect the cards and set it all up. And then it was funny because we had created this project for a course. So we created it with these ideal, intrinsically motivated students in mind who would just love to be a part of whatever their teacher gave them. And my principal said, so what are we going to do for prizes? And I said, oh, I hadn't even thought about prizes. I thought they would just appreciate the science of kindness and want to do it. He said, no, we need prizes if we want these kindergarten to grade nine students to do it. So he, with the school's credit card, he bought stickers for the Division I students. He bought pencils for the Division II students. And for our Division Three students, our junior high kids, we let them have a special cohorted lunch in our auxiliary gym. And they could play with the basketballs and they could play with whatever equipment we had, dodgeballs. They got a little prize if they completed the card as well. And can we share the bingo cards in our show notes? I bet other teachers would want to see what you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And then the administrative assistants at the office were the ones who actually produced the card. I created it and then they did all the photocopying. So I was very, very supported at my school with this idea. And because I had been in grade five, six during field three, I went to that partner teacher and I said, will you be my elementary ally? Will you help me you know, spread this around the elementary and get the teachers to buy in with their classes. And she said, yes, absolutely. And then in grade one, there was actually a first year teacher, graduate of Workland as well. And so, so we all kind of worked together. We, I, I was in division three promoting it. And then I had a division two and a division one promoter of the idea as well. And it all came together really well. So you had this team of kind of health champions that you knew from previous sort of connections and relationships that you were able to bring on because this sort of school-wide project for one person would be too much. So you're following the approach of comprehensive school health. This is how we can make sure that programs or initiatives aren't just the responsibility of one person, which can be really unsustainable in the long run. Yeah, definitely. And I was at a wonderful school with great people, and I think they would have bought in on their own. But Then the kids almost turned it into kind of a kind-spirited competition. So my homeroom and another grade nine homeroom said, well, we're going to get more cards than you. And (laughs) we had one of the items on the list. This was probably my favorite was create a kind poster. So all over our school, you could see these kind posters saying, be kind. And they were watercolored and they were hanging on doors to classrooms and on bulletin boards. 
And everywhere you looked were these student-created kindness posters. And it gave me a boost every day when I walked into a classroom or walked down the hallway and saw them. And it it gave me a visual reminder. And that was probably my favorite one we had. Um, Another one I put on there was thank the caretaker. And every time I saw the caretaker during that period of time, he had five (laughs) kids around him. And then that grade five, six teacher I mentioned, she said, thank you so much for putting this in because my kids are falling over themselves to help me with this and that. (laughs) There was only one box. They only got one credit for helping a teacher, but because they knew we were doing it, she said, if I have to pass something out or if the whiteboard needs erasing, I've got all of these kids coming up to me saying, oh, I can help you, miss. I can help you with that. Yeah, so I think it was probably the most popular in Division 2 in grade 4, 5, 6. But it was just fun to see how everyone responded. Oh, those are great stories. And a real testament to how even a small thing can really impact both the social and physical environment of a school with those posters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure during this year of uncertainty and stress, not only for teachers, but also for students, that having this little project or friendly competition or something to focus on, and we know from the research that when students can serve other people and get that helpers high, that that's good for them too. I'm just thinking about the numerous ways that you were just boosting everyone's well-being in that school as a result of this project. It was really fun to see. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then I guess also just as I was saying before, when we created this, it was for our vacuum ideal students that we didn't know. But then when I got into field, I was thinking about what can I do to get the junior high kids especially to buy into this? Because junior high kids aren't always quick to do what a teacher is saying, hey, we should do this. And I was working at a school in the Northeast and basketball was everything for my kids. Basketball was just the absolute best thing in their lives. (laughs) And I thought, what can I do? I'm not a basketball person personally. But I thought, if I can bring basketball into this somehow, this is going to work better. And so I reached out to an assistant coach at the University of Calgary Dinos. I saw in his description on the website that he had a B.Ed. So I thought, okay, he's going to be on my team. (laughs) Future ally. (laughs) (laughs) I reached out to him and I said, I explained the project and I said, do you think that there's somebody on your team who would be willing to zoom into our school and talk to my students? And so he set me up with one of the players on the team and this player on the team, he zoomed in, we, we connected and I said, this is what we're focusing on. And I said, what I would really like you to talk about is how kindness, respect and hard work are necessary to succeed in basketball, but necessary to succeed in everything. And he said, you know what, that's very true. It is. And we threw in academic success as well to kind of motivate them. <laughs> And so he zoomed in and we did it across grades seven to nine. Everybody had access to the Zoom call. And he gave us a little presentation about himself and basketball. And he used all of these analogies like your classmates are your fellow players on the team. Your teachers are your coaches. And even though maybe everything they say doesn't make sense, you have to trust in your coach. (laughs) So to bring in that basketball element was just fantastic. It got us a lot more buy-in from the older students. And then he and I were texting afterwards and he said, oh, I wish we could just come play basketball with your students. And I said, well, let me ask my principal. Maybe we can work this out. (laughs) 
So we managed to set up between, it was five University of Calgary dinos, one of whom had actually gone to the school I was working at. He, he was a former student of our school. And then about 10 of our grade nine boys, we set up a little outdoor game between them. Uh, we wore our masks. We were outdoors the whole time. But they came to the school after school on a Friday afternoon and played against some of our grade nine kids. Uh, and it was just the peak of my practicum to see these boys <laughs> and these these players, the dinos just were eating them. <laughs> they were so funny to watch. Our, <laughs> they didn't hold back. No, and our kids hadn't reached their full height yet. And the, the dinos could just hold the ball over their heads. <laughs> the boys were done for. So it was hilarious to watch. And the kids were just so excited. And it was, it was awesome. It was the best day of practicum. Oh, Rebecca, this is amazing. I just, I'm sure it was the peak day for a lot of those kids too. What an experience that you were able to pull together and building off of their interests is of course, always a good way to go as a teacher to start with. Okay. What are they interested in and how can I connect what I care about this kindness to what they're interested in? So I think that is such a powerful way to bring them on board. And I'm sure it will be one of the more memorable things from that time. Yeah, it was awesome. And a teacher came in or came to the court where we were playing And he said to me, you know, these kids probably aren't going to remember what I taught them today in science in 10 years, but they'll always remember (laughs) playing basketball against the dinos on our court at school. And he said, you gave them that. And that was just a really great feeling for me. Amazing. So Rebecca, how did working on this project make you feel? You were busy with a lot during this time, student teaching during a pandemic, and as you said earlier, switching roles and classes, even divisions. How did this little project that started off as an assignment in this course make you feel during this time? It made me feel like I was able to pull back from the small little details of my individual lessons and reminded me that I was in this for the kids. So when I put aside a lesson at the end of the night to work on this a little bit. For a moment, I would feel like, oh, but I just need to get that done. And then the advice of satisfying from Dina Fulweiler would pop in my head. And I would think, you know what, that lesson for tomorrow, it's fine. I'm going to focus on this bigger activity. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of my favorite things as I've become a teacher is the feeling of something that starts in my head. And then I bring it into my 800 person school And I see it come to life and I see 800 people taking part in something that I thought up while I was on a walk in the cold. And that is just the most amazing feeling to me. I think it's so great to see. And one of the best moments for me was on that final day of the whole project, my principal and I went around class to class handing out our prizes, which it turns out the students did need. Um, <laughs> so he and I walked around class to class handing out the prizes and I got to see all of these different kids because I was in junior high. We were very cohorted. So I wasn't seeing a lot of the younger kids. Mm-hmm. But here I was in every classroom, seeing the kids, seeing the teachers, handing out prizes and feeling their excitement. And I thought, you know, this is way more important than me finishing the best lesson possible for my group of grade nines, because I've brought it to more people's lives. So it had, it was stressful at times. But like I've said a couple times, I was at a fantastic school, and they actually gave me some time to work on it one day, we had our field seminar in the afternoon. And they said, 
why don't you just stay home for the morning and work on this project because you're still doing something for our school. And so they, they gave me the morning off to, to work on the project. That's such a great way for school leaders to support this kind of work is through time. Yeah. I'm really glad to hear that they did that for you. Yeah, I was just at such a great school. And I think that for any student teachers listening to this, an added benefit of the whole thing was that I got extra time with my administrators because my principal and I sat down to work on the project, just the two of us during one of my preps. And he and I were the ones who went around class to class handing out prizes. And it was the vice principal who supervised this basketball game with me. So for any student teachers, it was a great way for my administrators to get to know me and to be able to have a more well-rounded reference of me for later on. And for me to just see how schools work in a bigger picture way, because I was trying to do something school-wide. Whereas if I had just focused on my teaching, I would have just focused on something classroom level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And do you think it helped you in getting a job? Like, were you able to talk about this experience in your interviews? Yeah, yeah. I featured it in my cover letter for any jobs, for sure. And I definitely talked about it in interviews. I did four interviews two weeks ago for schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time in the interviews, they would ask me, is there anything else that we should know about you or anything you want to highlight? And I said, I've done a school-wide project at an 800-person school, and I talked about it a bit. And working for the Catholic board, I was able to tie it to some of those values that they hold as a board. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that helped me a lot as well. And I think it just showed bringing in an extracurricular in a year with no extracurriculars, really, I think set me apart as an interview candidate. Yeah, and congratulations. You're already, you have an assignment for next year at full time, right? What grade? Yes, uh, 10, 11, and 12 social studies. Wow. So I'm excited. I'm teaching every course 10, 20, 30, dash one, and dash two in English and French next year. So, wow, you are really going to get to know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And I am excited for you and for those lucky students to have such a talented and enthusiastic teacher. Thank you. What have you learned from this experience about school based health promotion? I think I learned that there's nothing more important than the atmosphere of a school and creating an atmosphere where students feel welcome, where they feel valued, and where they feel seen as a whole person instead of just their grade on a test. Mm -hmm. And that a school that's healthy and a school that has that positive atmosphere is a lot more fun and enjoyable for you as a teacher and for the students in the school. And I think I really learned just to follow the things that I think are good ideas and the things that I'm interested in and to try and take those little threads from my mind and create a whole tapestry that the school weaves into. Yeah, so I think just feeling the connection to the school will buoy you and will revitalize you, even if you feel like you're struggling with different things. So well said and a great note to end on. Any Final thoughts or advice to students or other teachers out there? You've probably inspired some people through this conversation. So what are, what are their next steps or what would you advise? I would say, number one, use your course time to create things that you can use when you are in the field. And number two, don't hesitate to take things to your administration and to take things to your teachers and to say, I want to go above and beyond my classroom and I want to try and implement something school-wide. 
and also to tap into the interests of your students wherever you can and engage them through what they care about. Such good advice. Thank you again, Rebecca St. Louis, for coming on and sharing your inspiring story. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much for asking me to come on. I really enjoyed your course. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another conversation on school health, a serious collaboration between the Workland School of Education and Everactive Schools. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EverActiveAB, on Facebook at Everactive Schools, or visit our website everactive.org for more great content and resources. Until next time, the podcast is dismissed. <laughs>